1: It's Market View. Time for our tour of markets in minutes. Asia-Pacific markets are mixed this morning following an overnight sell-off on Wall Street. Investors in Tokyo and Seoul have returned from a long weekend in a selling mood. Seoul is down more than 2%. Tokyo trading off 1.7%. Sydney really bucking the trend. The ASX 200 is in positive territory. And joining me now to break down all the market action. Let's see how he's doing on day two, back at work after
0: a long break. Good morning, Ryan Huang. Morning, Michelle. Do you get up to any 1010 sale stuff over Monday?
1: You know what? I am resisting the urge to buy 50 yoga classes.
0: <laughs> what? 50 <laughs> yoga classes? Well, if the price is right, why not?
1: It's a good deal. So we'll see. Limited time offer, they say. We'll see. What
0: about you? I may should buy some stuff for the family, so... An alarm clock, just day to day stuff. So there were some deals going on. So I was part of the buying spree, gang.
1: (laughs) Between the two of us, I didn't think that you'd cave and I would not buy. Mm. But I'm glad you got some bargains. All right. Let's start this morning with three very different types of producers automakers, PC manufacturers, and semiconductor companies. Now, there are some linkages between these industries. Semiconductor chips, for example, can be found in both cars and personal computers, but they are very very different businesses all the same. And how they are doing can give us broader insight into the global economy and financial markets. And I have to say, the picture this morning is not looking very good. So let's start with PC manufacturers. The latest statistics showed that PC shipments suffered a double-digit decline during the third quarter of the year. So which companies in particular were affected, Ryan?
0: Yeah, it's the usual suspects. So you are looking at HP, Lenovo and Dell all saying... PC shipments decline. So looking at those numbers, HP saw a drop of around 28%, Dell down 21%, Lenovo down 16%. So this is I guess to some extent expected because coming out of COVID-19 that stretch um, people just not staying as much as they were working from home so devices that demand has been waning and you've got supply chain issues as well so they have not been able to put their products on the market as much so all these factors combined you are looking at shipments uh, down broadly the picture for PC makers not uniformly bad. Apple is bucking
1: the trend. In fact, its shipments in the third quarter jumped 40%. What do you make of this?
0: Yeah, so this is interesting because hmm. we saw some signs, some hints of the industry going through um, headwinds. AMD, the chipmaker saying its forecast is likely to be lower because it expects to see a large decline in the PC market and supply chain issues, but... Apple bucking the trend, and it could be a sign of a few things. One is how much brand premium it commands people still buying Apple. The other part about it is how Q3, the third quarter, could be playing out to become a different story from Q2. Because you might remember back then in the second quarter, it was hurt by lockdowns in China. So Mm -hmm. production was um, crimped to some extent. So Q3, it got better, so they raised production in in that quarter. And then you had promotions around its new um, laptops, which were refreshed with M1 and M2 chips. So that, to some extent, also helped to drive volume. So those drivers could be among the factors that saw Apple beat the market. And of course, uh, it will be one to watch when it does announce its upcoming earnings report, which will be able to give a glimpse to many segments Indeed. of the various industries.
1: Yeah, and that happens October 27th. Next, let's turn to automakers. Ford and General Motors took a hit overnight after UBS downgraded the company. So what is behind UBS's negative
0: view on the auto giants? Well, it's quite similar in terms of a story playing out for many things that consumers want, because with high interest rates, people will be tightening up their purse strings, and motor vehicles will be one of those products that they could be moving away from. So, you have UBS just a bit more downbeat in terms of how things are going to be like for um, both demand as well as the supply situation. That's also playing out in the PC space. So in time to come 3 to 6 months time mm-hmm. UBS expects the auto industry to end up in an oversupply Situation, So that's going to mean prices will have to come down eventually.
1: Shares of Ford Motor closed down nearly 7% overnight. GM fell 4%. Both stocks have lost nearly half their value since the beginning of the year. All right, at the top of the show, I promised to look at three industry segments. We've covered computers and cars. And next up is semiconductor chips. Shares of chipmakers have sunk to their lowest levels since the beginning of the pandemic. However, their story is not solely one of supply and demand. International politics is casting a shadow as well. How so,
0: Ryan? Yeah, so this is around the proxy war that's playing out in the semiconductor space between the US and China. So over the weekend, we had the US tightening restrictions on what U.S. chip companies can sell to China in terms of advanced technology, uh, all in the name of national security. And you can imagine how things like AI, advanced technologies, uh, that is closely guarded by many uh, U.S. agencies for, for example, how it might help the uh, Chinese military Theoretically, so they are worried and saying that's the reason why they are tightening restrictions. You also have what's playing out in the coming month, which is the US midterm elections. So you have lawmakers trying to strike the right note and just getting into the right posture. And it seems to be quite popular to get into the anti-China posture during the election campaign period. So that is likely to play out in the foreseeable near term. So I think semiconductor stocks will be under pressure like they've been over the past few days. Uh, so one to watch out for for mm. the likes of AMD, mm-hmm. Marvel, um, the likes of SMC and SMIC. So a lot of pressure right now on the semiconductor space.
1: These are all fairly bleak signs as corporate earnings season prepares to get underway. Investors' big fear is that inflation and slowing economic growth are starting to eat into corporate profits. At this point, what is the likelihood that this fear will be realized?
0: Well, that's a tough question. Depends on who you ask. If you ask JP Morgan boss Jamie Dimon, he has come out to say the market could tank by as much as 20% because of what's around the corner mm. a potential hard landing recession so that's according to him uh, if you look at what expectations are i think you have quite a lot of people saying hey things are likely to slow down and there seems to be expectations that we could be in for the worst performance since the great financial crisis so we are looking at the SP and 500 already down year to date 24% and Against that backdrop, you have about 40% of investors thinking, hey, they might be investing in value stocks. 23% are thinking about growth stocks. So you can see where the crowd is leaning towards, a bit more towards defensive names and safety in this environment. And looking at what respondents in a recent survey are looking at, in terms of equities, valuations, they're expected to worsen further in the coming months. Some 70% of them expect the S&P 500 price-to-earnings ratio to fall to a two-year low of 14. And then this will then see a quarter of um, those respondents uh, expected to tumble to a 2008 low. That is uh, nearly 14 years, a 14-year low of 10. So you have quite pessimistic expectations of the upcoming earnings season.
1: Indeed. We're going to know more, of course, in the coming days. But so far, it is a mixed picture. Just 65 companies in the S&P 500 are warning that third quarter earnings will disappoint. According to market data firm Factset. about 40 companies are promising better than expected earnings. So it really looks like it depends on who you ask right now. Next up, we're going to turn back to the Elon Musk files. Open it up. It's a big, big folder. We've talked recently about how Musk says he is prepared to acquire Twitter at his original offer price of $54.20 U.S. cents per share and how he turned down a proposal from Twitter that would have cut billions of dollars off the price tag. Market watchers have been scratching their heads as to why Musk would want to do this. Now, some have theorized that he really, really did not want to be deposed by litigators in the trial over the acquisition. Uh, the New York Times deal book offers another explanation. It's one that centred more on dollars and cents. Fill us in, Ryan.
0: Yeah, here is the theory. Uh, So Elon Musk has been trying to redo the deal for quite some time, but then maybe he might not want to redo the deal after all. So this is because of how the financing arrangements have been set out, right? So you've got banks on the table lending him about $12.5 billion to do the deal. Uh, So if he's trying to cut the price tag or change the price tag in any form, it means quite likely that he has to repackage the deal. And that comes with talking to banks again and resetting perhaps the terms of the deal, including interest rates. And as you would know, interest rates have been going up. So that means refinancing it, at a higher burden to himself and that may actually not be favourable to him because even though you might have a smaller price tag and you might be on the hook for higher interest payments so in the fact net-net it might not be beneficial for him to cut the price tag
1: So despite the ongoing negotiations or perhaps because of them Musk and his legal team are still issuing some very public barbs against Twitter and the latest has to do with whistleblower Peter Zatko Tell us more.
0: Yeah, it's quite an interesting twist where you now have Elon Musk claiming that Twitter ordered the whistleblower to destroy evidence. And this involves burning 10 handwritten notebooks and deleting 100 computer files because his boss asked him to do so. So this is the accusation or claim by Elon Musk. And of course, um, this is a long-running... Uh, court hearing that has produced a lot of interesting twists and turns. So we'll see if Twitter has anything to say about the latest um, claims. For now, they have not responded.
1: That is right. They haven't immediately responded to what Musk is claiming here. Mm, Time for corporate news and a quick game of up or down. Ryan, are you
0: ready? Let's go.
1: TCS, Tata Consultancy Services.
0: All right. It's going to be a down for me and this is pretty much in line with what i've been talking about right people and companies seeing weakness in the coming quarters and this is where tata consultancy is saying long-term a long-term deal decision is like you see some softness because um, it is uh, looking at some hesitation or some budget cuts from various clients and companies so that despite A rather good quarter going forward. It is not expecting to match it.
1: Yeah. TCS netted more than one billion US dollars in the second quarter of its financial year though. So I look at that as an up. Next, let's look at the battery maker, CATL.
0: All right, this is going to be an up for me and it's quite an easy story here. Everyone's jumping on the EV bandwagon. And the battery maker, CATL, is just raking it in big time. Profits are up 200% in its latest third quarter earnings.
1: Yeah, their profits really have jumped.
0: So, definitely an up for me. Golden Energy and Resources. Okay, this is going to be an up for me. And this is with the news uh, that it is possibly going through um, an acquisition by controlling a shareholder, Vijaya Family. So, Golden Energy shares have been on the rise Around the possible acquisition.
1: Indeed, it is a hot stock with the talk of that possible acquisition. Golden Energy shares jumped 11% yesterday.
0: Stamford Land is next on our list. All right, Stamford Land is going to be an up for me. And they have divested their Stamford Plaza Auckland Hotel property in New Zealand, as well as the business and um, assets of its operator, spec for a total sum of $137.5 million. So, money coming in could be useful for it to explore other opportunities.
1: Stamford Land is selling that hotel for $137 million over in Auckland. That is 8% higher than the hotel's property valuation. So, that should be an up for Stamford Land. Retail
0: S REITs. All right, I'm going up for retail because uh, we have been seeing sales going up. Um, Retail sales in Singapore went up by 13% year on year in August, and that was its fifth straight month of double digit year on year growth. Coupled with the easing of restrictions, border uh, restrictions, Tourists coming in Retail is set to Be on the up And we have Recent events Like F1 Grand Prix Mm. And more to come So that's all Going to play out Very well For the retail space And retail air suites So up for me
1: up for me as well. Footfall and sales are on the rise in Singapore shopping malls and that's good news for the downtown REITs. Let's check in on how stocks are doing this morning at 9.21 on the clock, 21 minutes into the local trading day. The Straits Times Index fell nearly one and quarter percent yesterday to 31.07. Thai Beverage and the trio of local banks led the blue chip index lower. So what's the picture like this morning and is the STI performing any better?
0: Yeah, like you highlighted at the start of the show, right, have got, some of the regional markets deep underwater, especially Japan and Korea, which are back online after holidays. So some catch up selling there. Um, so amidst the red right now, they are seeing across many places. Singapore seems to be a bit of a safe haven of sorts right now, up by zero point five percent at three thousand one hundred and twenty-three. Only three counters in the red right now, and they are. Jardine Sucker & Carriage down by 1.2%, followed by Hong Kong Land and Jardine Matheson Holdings. Looking at the top of the table, we have Capital DC Reed up by 1.8%, and other stocks up by at least 1%. You've got CityDev, Fraser's l Trust, Wilma, SC Engineering, and Capital Integrated Commercial Trust. So all in, you've got a rather uh, good start to Tuesday.
1: All right, one last story before I let you go. The UK's Chancellor of the Exchequer, Kwasi Kwarteng, has bowed to pressure and moved up the date for presenting a new financial strategic approach. The new date is October 31st, Halloween. And that is prompting a lot of jokes and criticism about a Halloween budget. Uh, Wanda's Craig Erlem calling it quite the quote-unquote horror show. So what do you think? Was this a bad choice for dates for Liz Truss's government?
0: (laughs) I'm not sure what they were thinking. Trick or treat what's in your budget. And I guess it gives you some ideas what you could dress up as. The British pound, which is at scary levels right now. Or a tax cut. So it's up to your imagination what you might you know, visualize into a costume. But yeah, it's a very interesting well, next chapter of how this has been playing out. They had to make a few U turns. People have been angry with many things and of our policies. And now they have a Halloween budget. I hope that is going to be enough to please the population in the UK.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm glad that it's updating its spending agenda sooner rather than later. And thank you for some great ideas in Halloween outfits. That's going to take me beyond my usual, the inverted yield curve.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ryan right Wong there. This is Market View. I'm Michelle
0: Martin. Before acting on the information on MoneyFM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great
1: interviews, download our podcasts at MoneyFM893.sg.